<laughs> Use the five seconds of silence to sneak a drink of Coca-Cola. Yeah. That's fair, that's fair dude. Hey, man. I was quiet, except for the ice. No, no, it was good. It was good sound. Welcome, Secret Movie Clubbers. After a long pause, rest, gestation, meditating in the mountains, going through the 36 chambers of Shaolin, Edwin Caesar Gomez and Craig Hamill rematch for a Defend This Movie. Although this one's going to be a little weird. It's a little different, but we're not going to create another podcast. We have too many podcasts already. So we're calling this one Defend This Movie. But it, basically in this one, Edwin is a big, we're both big fans of John Carpenter's Assault on Precinct 13. We were mentioning when we showed it or at some point talking about John Carpenter that John Carpenter's always going on about how much he loves Howard Hawks and how influenced he was by Rio Bravo. As was Quentin Tarantino, many people are influenced by Howard Hawks' 1959 Western uh, Rio Bravo, which stars John Wayne, Dean Martin, Ricky Springfield, Angie Dickinson, Walter Brennan. But Edwin, who had heard all this hype about Rio Bravo, went to go see it and uh, was not impressed at all. In fact, called me to say he actively disliked it. So essentially, this defend this movie will probably be more along the lines of, can you really ignore the original if it influenced a movie you loved? So what I'm saying there, Edwin, is you love Assault. I do love Assault. So that's fair that you, you weren't jazzed about Rio Bravo, but can you really dismiss it if Rio Bravo is the reason Assault on Precinct 13 exists? And that's going to be our debate for the day. Can you ignore or dismiss the original if it influenced a movie you love? That's our debate. Okay. Is that fair enough? I, I guess. All right. Edwin agrees to the framing. I'm going to drink my coffee. Here, let's do it at the same time. Okay. Ah. Edwin. It's a real man drink right there. Coca-Cola, a real man's drink. I'm drinking not, my coffee not, black. Not sponsored by Coke, by the way. I wish I, I, wish I was. You go, we're not. People should know that we're recording this in June of 2022. No one has sponsored us on anything. McDonald's did it for Mac and me. So. <laughs> there you go, Mac and me. Uh, all right, let's get to it. Let's get to this Defend This Movie. Who's part of this Defend This Movie? Hello, America. It's, uh, well, you know who it is. I'm just like... Back from training. Back from hibernation. Back from <laughs> watching movies, films, VHS, traveling, valley, stores, records, places, you name it. I've been everywhere. I like the image that you hibernate when you're not called like a hero who like reserves his energy or her energy. So you just go into a deep sleep till the world needs you. Exactly. And then you wake up and unfurl in your cave. What was Superman's place called? The Fortress of Solitude? Yeah, Fortress of Solitude. Yeah, so you're in your Fortress of Solitude surrounded by VHS tapes and DVDs. And, and records. And records, vinyl. Yeah, records. And then when you wake up, the first thing you do is crack open a Coca-Cola. Actually, no. The first thing I do is I put on a record. Oh, okay. And then crack open a Coca-Cola? Actually, no. Actually, I don't have yeah. any Coke at home, surprisingly. Is there a reason for that? I'm just too lazy to go to the store. Okay. I thought maybe because your dad agreed with me that Coke. Well, well, I, I have been ordering McDonald's and I've been getting Coke, so there you go. Oh, great. Great. Okay. Let's uh so and I'm Craig, founder programmer of Secret Movie Club. Always a pleasure to debate you, Edwin. Yeah, it's just uh it's real real something. Yeah. See, you can't return you can't return a compliment. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sorry, man. Just, All uh, you have to say is, hey, it's a pleasure too. But if you don't feel it in your heart, I don't want you to say something you don't feel in your heart. Edwin is drinking his Coca-Cola, so he doesn't feel it in his heart. Uh, okay. Uh, so today is defend this movie. The proposition, as we, we stated, is can you dismiss the original if you don't like it 
if it influenced a movie you love. And in this case, the framing is the original is Howard Hawks' 1959 Western Rio Bravo, which basically was made, and we'll get into this maybe a little bit, was made as a response to Fred Zinnemann's uh, High Noon starring Gary Cooper and Grace Kelly, which was made in 1951, a Western a lot of people love. But Howard Hawks went and saw it and just called shenanigans. He was like, what is this? Because basically Gary Cooper plays a sheriff who spends the majority of the movie begging people for help because these bad guys are coming to town. No one will help him. And eventually he realizes he's got to face them on his own. And spoiler, his wife, who's a pacifist, played by Grace Kelly, but a sharpshooter, ends up killing them anyway. So he ends up not doing anything really in the movie other than begging for help and getting bailed out by his wife. Also, Craig, don't forget that uh, years later, that concept would later be remade in the 1981 film Outland with Sean Connery. High noon in space. Yeah, Um, good picture. But nevertheless, Howard Hawks did not like High Noon. And I have to say I'm with him. I'm not a High Noon fan either. There are things I admire. Howard Hawks finally makes Rio Bravo as an answer to High Noon, where he basically takes the whole premise of High Noon and puts it on its head, which is these bad guys are coming to town to break out of prison, a guy that John Wayne, Sheriff John Wayne, has uh, put into prison. No one's going to help John Wayne. So John Wayne's like, F it, I'll do it myself. And the only people who help him are his second-in-command, alcoholic Dean Martin, and young rock star of the 1950s, Rick. Springfield. There's Angie Dickinson as a tough as nails, gorgeous young woman in this boom town who loves John Wayne. And Walter Brennan as the salty He's great in that movie. He's Walter Brennan's great in anything. And actually had worked with uh, Howard Hawks for decades and decades. One of the great character actors, Walter Brennan, who basically plays this salty old dude, Stumpy, who uh, helps them too. But basically they don't ask for any help. They just do it themselves. They don't run away. They know what's going to happen. They just get ready with what they have. So they invert the high note. Anyway. That premise would influence decades later, approximately not even 17 years later. we got to be like careful about that. Yeah, because uh, Salt didn't come out until 76. 76. I think, yeah. So, and which means it was shot in 75. Yeah. And that's only 16 years after Rio Bravo. So it wasn't that long after. No. So 16 years. John Carpenter making his second movie after Dark Star says, hey, I love Rio Bravo. And he makes a movie, Assault on, a low-budget movie, Assault on Princeton 13, which is essentially the same premise. These convicts go into a police precinct that's being transferred and shut down, and they have a prisoner there that this gang, it's like no gang you know. Even though the movie takes place in L.A., it's like a multi-ethnic, even though that's not really how gangs work in L.A., but everyone's in this gang, and this gang is going to try to break out their brother out of prison. Actually, that's, 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 that's totally wrong. Is it? Yeah, (laughs) am I butchering the premise of assault? Yeah, you kind of are. Okay. No, the the premise of the movie is a father and daughter are. Oh right. It's father and daughter. Oh, and they they kill him. They kill the daughter. Yeah. And then uh, the father goes after one of the gang members, kills him, and uh, they're going after him. And he hides on the police station. And with two prisoners come in because one the third prisoner is sick, and they held in in the you know, the holding cells. The holding cells, and next thing you know. The father comes into the police station, hides out there, and you get these swarm of dudes coming right for him. Forgive me. Yeah, you're totally right. I'm so like, sorry. What, like, what movie is that? Like, what that's, the- that's me with dad brain. I'm so sorry. Because the scene where they kill the, the, the daughter, daughter is like... Yeah, brutal. Um, yeah, brutal and amazing. I can't believe I blanked that. So, But we, I just saw Assault. We projected it like four months ago. So I have seen it very recently. But nevertheless, John Carpenter, influenced by Howard Hawks, basically remakes Rio Bravo 
as a 1970s modern day. And then the thing there is that whereas the buddy-buddy relationship in the original is between John Wayne and, and alcoholic Dean Martin, here it's between a black police officer and a white prisoner, Napoleon, and they sort of form a buddy-buddy. And it's a little more ensemble than Rio Bravo because there are a number of people in the yeah. precinct. But nevertheless, when you see it, you can see that it's Rio Bravo. No, it's definitely Rio Bravo. And what influenced Carpenter the most was this idea of an action movie where there's a group of professionals in a contained setting who have to deal with an outside threat. Let's go with opening statements like we always do. I suppose I'm defending Rio Bravo in this instance because we both love Assault. Yeah, I love Assault. And I love Assault. We're not really disagreeing on that. We're just disagreeing on Rio Bravo. Well, one, I was hoping to love Rio Bravo, but I didn't. It goes on for way too long. It's too long. <laughs> I didn't like John Wayne in this movie at all. The only characters I did really enjoy them all that was, that was giving effort in their performance was Dean Martin and Walter Brennan. I love those two characters. John Wayne just being John Wayne. And Ricky Nelson's like, eh, he's like, whatever. It's not really much of a siege movie that Carpenter did, actually. It uh, Because they're in a confined setting, but they're really outside, like, shooting up a storm. And the action sequences are not that great. But um, I enjoy Dean Martin. I think that's probably Dean Martin's best performance he's ever done in his career. And years later, <laughs> Dean Martin will still do, you know what I mean? Well, you need to, this is, this is radio, so you've got to let me, Edwin signaled that Dean Martin would drink to the end of his life. Is that what you're saying? I'm pretty sure he did, didn't he? It was an act. It's a whole thing. We'll get oh. into it later. There's oh, no never mind it. I think that back. I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, he was actually mostly the sober one among the uh, Rat Pack group, but only one married to the same woman his whole life, devoted to his children. I think Mars is a saint. Yeah, Scorsese says was going to make a whole movie about it. but I'm pretty sure he's still going to. No, it fell through. You know who's going to play Dean Martin? Tom Hanks. Wrong. That's a terrible choice. Terrible choice. Do you know who's going to play Jerry Lewis? Jim Carrey. Maybe. But anyway. Yeah, what Carpenter did, he kind of perfected the siege, the, the, the setting of uh, Rio Bravo. And he, you know, later on using for like most of his movies, most famously a song preacher thirteen, which I prefer. Well, no, most. most famously the thing. No, and, and the thing too, which I'm holding a VHS tape of it that I paid seven ninety nine for at Amoeba, and it's now safe here somewhere at the club. You're you know? not going to specify its location, so no one steals it. No, I'm not. Didn't saying. someone steal a tape of yours? No, they brought it. The, it, it turned, turned up. It turned up. Okay. I think I like Assault a lot, a lot more, because um, one. Real Bravo is okay. It's not the greatest thing ever made, but it's a good movie. But I just had didn't really enjoy it. I wanted to finish once I was watching in the theater. I wanted to like, let's go, move it, move it, move it. Oh yeah, there like you the go. Two, almost two and a half hours. See, there you go. That's way too long. Like an hour forty. Two hours twenty one minutes, so the audience knows. It's like three hours to me. If it was cut down to an hour fifty, you're good. But I guess they had to add chemistry with John Wayne and Dickinson, which. I don't really care about. So this is a tough one. Again, I feel like you and I always, when we do these defend these movies, there's a lot of subtlety and nuance because I don't feel really motivated or inclined to come at you. I get your point of view. Even when I saw Rio Bravo when I was a teenager, even I was like, oh, it's a little slowly paced, slower paced than I thought. So I understand why you're saying that. I also respect that movies from previous eras, it's not a mystery to me or a surprise to me that a movie made in 1959 is not going to light up the world of somebody who was born, and you were born in 1999? 98, yeah. You know, you're 24. 
or going to be 23. You're 23. I get that too. It was a different time. It was a different era. So I'm not somebody who's like, you have to like a class. I don't feel that. You, you like what you like. And you got to be honest about that. The only thing that I worry about that I would want to find a way to say this in a persuasive way, because if you lecture people, that's never persuasive. But it's always important to remember that the things you love are often influenced by previous things. Oftentimes people are standing on the shoulders of giants. You know, if you love Raging Bull, you should probably know how influenced Scorsese was by On the Waterfront. Because when you see On the Waterfront, story between two brothers, black and white, if you, you know, you go back to Aaliyah Kazan, and Scorsese's always been very open about how influenced he was by Aaliyah Kazan, that, to me, helps you understand how Scorsese made Raging Bull. And that's a big help when you make a movie, I think, is to know what the movies you love, what they were influenced by. Uh, you know, another example would be Quentin Tarantino cites Rio Bravo, Taxi Driver, and I think The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. Basically any Sergio Leone yeah. movie. But he names those three a yeah. lot as his three favorite films of all time. So if you love Quentin Tarantino, it behooves you to understand, well, why did he gravitate towards Hawks? Why does he love Carpenter? Why does he love Sergio Leone? Why does he love Scorsese? And understanding that helps you to understand sort of the mindset of Quentin Tarantino. So... I would just say to folks, one of the things I hear all the time now, and I've heard it now for about two decades, a lot of people don't like watching movies that are black and white. There are a lot of people who are like, I just don't like it. There are a lot of people, Connors even said this, who don't like watching movies before a certain year because mm. they just don't really click in with that sensibility. Like Connor was saying, his favorite movies don't really start until the 1950s. Like movies from the 40s, 30s, 20s, he just doesn't quite click into that, whatever that sensibility is. And a lot of people also don't like to watch movies with subtitles. Uh, I love watching movies with subtitles. Yeah. I would want to find a way to persuade people. I don't ever want to persuade people that you have to like it. But I would persuade people, please give these things a chance because they'll make you a better artist. If you watch these things, you very well might really discover or learn things or feel things or whatever that you didn't before. And I think it's really important in filmmaking and in art to be open to everything. I guess my final argument would be, why shut yourself off from that stuff? It can only make you a better person, a smarter person, a more well-resourced person. And that's why I would just encourage, you don't have to like Rio Bravo, but you do have to understand that if you like John Carpenter, you should appreciate that Rio Bravo was made. Because if Rio Bravo wasn't made, we might not have any John Carpenter. And that's Now, there's no way to prove that. We'd either have to be like a multiverse where we can go to the I mean, there's High Noon. He could easily take it from High Noon. Isn't that... What I just High Noon is the movie that Howard Hawks hated. I know. So but, and, look, and look what happened to that movie. It got influenced by Peter Hames for Outland, which is a lot better than High Noon. I would say so myself because you got Sean Connery and all planet, you know, it's like, like a moon of Jupiter. Isn't yeah, it? they're like construction workers and like miners. Miners, like that. yeah. And uh, next thing you know, one of these dudes are being killed off, and there's like this drug, and then got these like goons coming from another place to go get him because he knows too much. Honestly, Sean Connery's a badass in that movie. He's a badass in everything. Yeah, but uh, have you seen Outland? That movie's no, awesome. I haven't actually. I'm not. I, I, There's a great tagline in that movie called "It's my duty to freak that booty." No, no, it's not. What's wrong with you? It's, it's a great tagline. Uh, I, I I worship the movie. There's a great Jerry Goldsmith track on that movie, which is awesome. It's in seventy millimeter too, by the way. So, just uh, want to put that on your radar. Before or after the seventy millimeter of Raiders of the Lost Ark? Exactly which I'm pretty sure it, it killed this movie when it came out because it came out in 81 
And then next, you know, um, <laughs> freaking Sean Connery missed out a cameo appearance in um, Chariots of Fire, which is a really sad thing he did. Oh, here it is. Even in space, the ultimate enemy is man. So they basically ripped off in space. No one can hear you scream and just the alien line. Yeah, but it's man uh. instead of alien. Okay. I take your point that High Noon influenced Outland, but you love Assault on Precinct 13. I love it a lot. Okay, and Assault on Precinct 13 only exists because Rio Bravo exists. So, again, there's no way we can really prove this. We have to acknowledge that, unless we had time travel powers or multiverse I'm, powers. I'm pretty sure John Cropper could figure out that— uh, Would like, he have made Assault, though, if Rio Bravo didn't exist? Probably still. I mean, there, forget, we still have High Noon. And High Noon, it turned into real Bravo. So he could put the pieces together. It's like, oh, you know what? I'll make this. I mean, I take your point. But what he would have to do is see High Noon. He would have had to say, I hate this movie. This is John Carpenter. I'm pretty sure he would have done exactly the same thing Howard Hawks would have done. I'm slightly persuaded by your point because I think it's true that if real Bravo hadn't been made, it's probably likely that another great filmmaker would have. And the idea of real Bravo is not unique to real Bravo. You could probably look at plays and novels and things from 200 years before Rio Bravo. And there's probably, a, I'm sure we could find a novel or a play where these knights have to protect a castle and no one's helping them. And I'm pretty sure there is movies like that I'm, and well, stories. Yeah, I'm sure there is. So I do agree that I think a lot of stories reincarnate with every generation. Even if Rio Bravo hadn't been made, John Carpenter might have still stumbled upon it. Yeah. I guess to get to the point, I love Rio Bravo. And I, okay. nah, but I love it. I love the vibe of it. It's one of my favorite Hawks film. Can't dig it. I love all the banner and camaraderie in the prison between, and I agree with you. I think Ricky Nelson is easily the flat character in it. Yeah, and they could have got someone There's else. that amazing sequence, though, where they have to do the prisoner trade, where Dean Martin comes to them and they have to give up the prisoner and there's the dynamite. I actually love all the Angie Dickinson, John Wayne stuff, because I think Angie Dickinson is smoking. I'm sorry. I, I, that could have been cut. Oh, no. Way. I'm sorry. I, I see no reason for that to be in this movie. This is three dudes, one prisoner, trying to hold out for his gang to come in and take him. You can still have a movie with those guys and the, and the gang members. No, but you know why you have to have that? And I want to be honest. I hate the idea of arguing just to argue. I hate that. And I hear you. I also want to say, I think that the way the John Wayne, Angie Dickinson stuff is written, it's not great. Not great writing. And I don't think there's a lot of chemistry between them. No, there isn't. Yeah, so I, I want to be honest. I know what you're saying. You don't feel this crazy chemistry. What you feel, I feel, is Angie Dickinson giving 200% and John Wayne just being like, yep, okay. Exactly. Yep. That's <laughs> so how I felt. That being said, in the same way that Hitchcock understood that to make a truly great horror movie, you have to have moments of comedy. You have to let the air out of the tires a little bit to ratchet it up. I think in a Western, you have to have these romantic interludes, if you want to call them, to ratchet up the next level or the next sequence. And I believe that, too. So even though maybe it wasn't done the best in Rio Bravo, I get why it's there. And I do think Angie Dickinson is, is oh, man, I do like Angie. I, I just have to go on the record. I remember when I saw that movie. There's a scene, too, where she's in some kind of corset. Remember oh, yeah. that? And I was like a Tex Avery character. I was like... <laughs> Yeah I, was, yeah, I was like, okay. Yeah, I see where it is going. Go on, go on, go on, go on. Yeah, she, she's um, hot. But also, too, doesn't the majority of Rio Bravo take place at night? 
Yes, it does. And that's another thing I love. Rio Bravo was one of the first nighttime Westerns. Almost all Westerns for production and budgetary reasons prior to Rio Bravo were shot in the day because it's way— Oh, yeah, and then they, like, edit it in the process and make it like tonight. Uh-huh, day for night. But, I mean, they were just written to take place in the day because uh, it was just way cheaper. It's always cheaper to shoot in the day. Fewer lights. You don't, in fact, you don't need any lights if you know how to shoot. To shoot a Western at night— is ridiculous because there was no electric light in the West. But it was a nighttime Western. And I think that that was a huge influence, frankly, because, you know, what are modern Westerns? Modern Westerns are, yeah, the thing. Takes place during the night. Prince of Darkness. Night. Night, yeah. And I think that was a great innovation. Oh, most definitely it is. Yeah, so, I mean, again, we're not really disagreeing. We're just saying different things. But can you appreciate that Rio Bravo influenced many of the movies you like? Yeah, I can, but I'm... I'm not going to go back and watch it. I'll just watch John Carpenter's stuff because he kind of perfected the real Bravo-ness of, but, the, of the movies. See, I think that's a good point. I'm not arguing that you have to go back and rewatch Real Bravo. You saw it once. I did. Decided it wasn't for you. It was a good print. IB Tech. Ah, oh, that's great. A little bit scratched up, but it was okay. Now, remember, you're also 23. Yeah. And you may, for whatever reason, see the movie again in 10 years. We'll and you see. may like it more. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. It happens, man. As you get older, movies you didn't get, suddenly you get. Movies you loved, suddenly you're like, ah. Most of the movies that I loved when I was younger, I still love. But you do change. You, you grow. You have experience. So don't close your, your mind and your heart. You may come back to it. Also, too, I would say Rio Bravo is in some ways the first modern Western. Well, no. There were some. I mean, Searchers is pretty brutal, too. And that's John Ford. But, um... Would it be fair to say that the Westerns you like or love are maybe the Peck and Pond, the Leone Westerns? Yeah. Okay. Are there any Westerns by directors prior to Peck and Pond, Leone that you love more? No. So it's a fair statement to say that Peck and Pond, Leone would be your favorite director as a Western. Yes. Maybe Clint Eastwood. Yeah. Bingo, Clint Eastwood. But he comes later. Yeah, he does. Yeah. He comes in the 70s. I was going to say Sergio Cabucci. But same thing, right? Yeah, same thing. Yeah. The 60s? 60s, yeah. Oh, Don Siegel. Don't forget Don Siegel. Oh, Don Siegel's great. There you go. But what are the great Don Siegel westerns? He did the Elvis one. <sighs> yeah, he did. And he did do one with Eastwood. Oh, what am I saying? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Two oh, mule, man, Two Meals for Sister, Sister Sarah. Sarah. I love that one. It's great. You should show it. Uh, Nick Coogan's Bluff. All I'm saying is that Howard Hawks' Rio Bravo is also very modern in the same way that Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho is like the modern horror movie. It's brutal. It is not flowery. So, again, I think... You have to give it up to Rio Bravo for laying the groundwork for all the cinema that you love. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> okay. I, that's why I got Peck and Paul, you know, Leone, Carbucci, Siegel, Eastwood. Okay, let's talk about Assault a little bit. The Assault uh, is... I'll, I'll, I'll take it from here. Okay. Assault on PG-13 is one of the greatest motion pictures ever made. I saw it on a beautiful archival 35 millimeter print. No, that's m- Edward's subtle dig at me because we showed it on a print that was scratched up. I saw a very, very beautiful, colorful, colorful picture. Fair enough. That came from a unknown collector, which I'm pretty sure it's from the Academy, most likely. I don't know. Or Quentin Artino. But uh, I could rewatch them like at least five more times and listen to that vinyl score, which I got from Hollywood Books and Posters. Thank you, Scott, for that uh, vinyl soundtrack. That score is amazing. You know what I did? When I left in New Beverly, I played the, the soundtrack on my speaker on the way home. I literally scared myself <laughs> because I was, I, it, it was, there's no one on the streets. It was dark. It was nighttime. No one was out there. As the score gets going, I just freaked myself like there's somebody out there probably going to come after me now. That's the cry impact of what a score does to a man. 
you know, makes you think like something's out there. And the beautiful thing of about Salt Peter Ting that you never know when a siege is going to happen and come right at you. So, boom, salt masterpiece. Show it again at the million dollar. I love assault. The other thing about assault on Precinct 13 is that it's such an inspiration for low budget filmmakers. Yes. Because it's one of the first, in my opinion, high concept, low budget movies. Um, he shot it in Panavision, surprisingly, and those cost a lot. Totally. Yeah, probably to make it feel like it was a bigger budget than it really exactly. was. Exactly. But the thing is that prior to Carpenter, and I'm trying to think here, of course, you know, Cassavetes is a huge oh, most example of this. There were definitely people making low-budget indies, for sure. I mean, it, there were people making low-budget indies in the 30s. I mean, Columbia used to be known for being, they called it Poverty Row or something, because Columbia movies, they were always cheap. From the beginning of cinema, there were people making low-budget uh, movies. But Assault, to me, is one of the few that I can think of where they probably had very little money, but they decided to make an action movie. And it's great. And you don't think about the budget when you watch no, it. No, you, you see the what's being shown on the screen and like, damn, they must have had a lot of money for this, but you realize like, no, they didn't. They were shown on a low budget, but it feels like, like a high budget movie, but in reality it was not. And so again, I would just say that we love Rio Bravo. Yes. Well, no, no. You, no, you love Rio I Bravo. I love Rio Bravo. I, I don't. Right, right, right. But what I'm saying is if Rio Bravo influenced John Carpenter and John Carpenter made a high concept, low budget movie, again, you have to give it up to Rio Bravo for inspiring not only the modern Western or the modern way to do a Western, but also the idea of doing high concept, low budget. I'm grateful to Rio Bravo for creating all of those things. And I would just... Yeah, I guess so too, probably. But I'm still going to look back at Carpenter a lot more. But I accept that uh, Rio Bravo influenced a whole bunch of people to make their own little version of the of his, of his a Howard Hawks Reservoir Dogs. It's, it's City on Fire. But uh, nevertheless... When you think about Reservoir Dogs, that is also the idea of professionals in a contained space where things are going wrong. Only there he inverts it. It's criminals, not police. Yeah. And the police are the ones who are going to come to the location. Never thought about it that way. Now I'm realizing it now. Hateful Eight is also quite possibly Rio Bravo as well. Oh, it, well, it totally is because it's influenced by The Thing, which was influenced by Rio Bravo. Any closing arguments? Watch Assault. Don't watch the remake, though. That's a piece of shit. That one can burn in hell. For whoever made that movie, go yourself for making that movie. Okay, I don't feel that way. I've never seen I, I, I do. I've I never seen the remake. You don't need to see the remake. But Edwin's point is well taken. What we're discussing is John Carpenter's 1976 American classic match based known as Assault on PC-13. And I would just say to everybody who's listening to this, you don't have to love something. And you don't even have to go back to it again. Making movies is hard work. I love it. Sometimes the most enjoyable things can also be extremely hard work. But making a good movie is really, really, really hard work. It really is. You have to write a great script. You have to really direct the heck out of it. You have to fight a lot of fights. You've got to make sure it comes together in editing. You've got to be open to people criticizing you so you can make it better. There's all these things that go into making a great movie. And one of the things I would argue is that you also need to be open to, if you love something, going back to the source, because often going back to the source will help you understand what makes it work even more. You don't have to watch it 10 times, but it, you should watch it. And I would just tell people, check out Rio Bravo. You may love it. Plenty of people still love Rio Bravo. Or check out some PC-13. Check them both out. Yeah, check 
check the second one out the most. But yeah, check out both, but preferably the second one. And I'm I'm saying, I guess if Edwin's saying just check out Assault, I'm saying check out both. I think you would make a better movie if you watched Assault and then Rio Bravo to see how it was influenced. You'd actually see two different directors taking their take on the same kind of concept, and it would probably make your take on it even richer and more informed. Or watch uh, High Noon in uh, Outland. Outland's great. <laughs> or watch High Noon in Outland. And, and yeah, we'll see what movie you make. All right, Edwin, always a pleasure. Yeah, I guess so. Guess so too, Craig. Guess so too, Chief. Another defend this movie in the books. Yeah. That somehow defies the whole premise of defend this movie. I don't know that we really disagreed, but hey, this is your friendly neighborhood editor Connor from the future telling you that while we have no events this week, next week we are going to start announcing our October, November, and December. We also have our Lost Highway event in late September, and next week, in honor of our rescheduled uh, Mike Mignola event that's been pushed to October. We're talking about Guillermo del Toro's first Hellboy and comics and films, a subject I'm excited about with Secret Movie Club team member AJ joining us once again. So check that out next week. And then as always, Secret Movie Clubbers, you can find out everything we're doing at secretmovieclub.com. Get tickets at eventbrite at secretmovieclub.com. Write us at community at secretmovieclub.com. This episode, as always, is edited by our chief creative content officer, Connor Lloyd Cruz. Thanks, Connor. Yeah, thank you, Connor. For yet again trimming down, I'm looking here, it's 43 minutes nice. of content. Connor, I hope, will probably judiciously edit this down to under 30. Just take up some of the curse words, but leave like one for me. Okay, peace. We'll see you for the next one. Bye, America. Bye.